Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. We are back from not the beach. Welcome to Real Chronicles, <laughs> brought to you by Realtalking.com. I am your host, David. I got the guys with me today, Ryan. Summertime, living's easy. What's happening, everybody? And Leo. Release the Snyder Cut, please. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, we're, we're definitely going to talk about that, but do you guys know what the latest hashtag to start is? Oh, no, what? Release the air cut has now begun to trend. <laughs> <laughs> but he has, he did his, we have that cut. <laughs> For Suicide Squad. Yeah, I, uh, and I'm not even joking, that is an actual trend now on Twitter. So, I, I what's, Get the DVD. Yeah, seriously, what Snyder did, or what these idiots did, oh man, we're, we're going to get into it. Uh, Today, to celebrate Memorial Day weekend, I figured no better time to do our 25 favorite summer blockbusters. I think the fact that this used to be the start of our summer season, things have changed over the last few years with some blockbusters coming out all the way back in March, early April. But for for this podcast, I figured we would just limit the days from April 23rd to end of august as a cutoff point to what our blockbusters will be but before we get to that let's get into the news of the week i do want to concentrate on two little things that really dominated the news this week but before we get into those two items uh fans of scream david arquette is returning for scream 5 whatever I yeah, it's, I, thought, I think dewey was one of like the like, i didn't like dewey that much but i guess everyone loved him <laughs> Yeah, he's one of the most popular characters in the series. I just don't want to scream five, so I guess I'm, you know, I'm one of those, and maybe I'm a traditionalist in a way. If Wes Craven's not directing it, I really don't think there's, I don't really want that franchise to live on. And since Wes Craven has passed away, you know, just let it be. So what about you, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, as someone who literally just watched the entire franchise, enough's enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're good. Uh, next bit of news is this I'm a little excited for. Adam Sandler is teaming up with LeBron James for a basketball drama for Netflix titled Hustle, where Adam Sandler plays a sports agent. So, Sandler going back to drama after Uncut Gems, I'm excited. I don't know anything else about it, but the idea that he's not just going back to straight comedy, I think this could be a good thing. And him as a sports agent seems he could be very extra. So that that should be a yeah. good time. Um, Ash- Asuka Tano reportedly getting a series on Disney Plus. Excited for that. Yeah. Leo, any thoughts on that? Awesome. She- yeah, no. Uh, it's so it's funny. Ahsoka was a character that I really, at first, didn't really like too much until she appeared in um in Rebels, uh, as an older Ahsoka Tano. Uh, and then, like, now rewatching the last season or watching the last season of, uh, 
of of the Clone, Clone Wars. Wars. It's like it's like okay, you get a little bit more of an appreciation. I honestly am looking forward to it. I think it's a cool way of Disney uh, expo- exploring the uh, already set Star Wars universe and making it a little bit more um, expanding on it. I guess. Yes, I agree. Uh, next up, the Tenet trailer. Did you guys get a chance to view that? Oh. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go on a limb here. I hope you guys agree. I think this is the most anticipated Nolan film since probably Dark Knight or Inception. I think those two are the ones that seem like the it had most a very anticip- Inception vibe to it. Yep. So Inception I don't know. So here's my guess. I think it's about time travel. Do you guys have any guesses? I. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about <laughs> Nolan. It's, it's about Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's true. I mean, if this movie is what co- brings us back to theaters, I think it's going to do so well. And it does look like a big player for the Oscars. If we do get the Oscars next year, I think that could be a big player in the text. Um, and John David Washington looks so good in it. So I, like I said, I don't know what the fuck it's about. I assume time travel. But <laughs> knowing Nolan, I don't sure. I think he's one of the last directors, and I think we've talked about this on other episodes. He's one of the last directors that you get excited when you see his name on a on a billboard, on a marquee. Like I think he's what we say him, QT, Scorsese. For me, as a cinephile, like Chazelle, but I'm talking about like blockbusters. I would probably say QT, Nolan, Scorsese, and I guess for you guys, Burton, right? Spielberg still has that too. Oh, Spielberg, yeah, Spielberg. You know, it's funny. The director we're going to break down today has one of our favorite summer blockbusters, but he has fallen off in terms of I'm excited to see his movies. We're going to touch on Robert Zemeckis. Ooh. It's a very interesting filmography of where he starts to where he's at now. That's why I figured I wanted to do a summer blockbuster director and someone that has a very unique career from start to finish. So we'll get into that a little later. Now... Let's get into the two big news items of the week. Let's start with Ruby Rose. For anyone that listens here, and I think we've made it very clear that we're not really huge fans of Batwoman in terms of the series. So the news that really surprised a lot of people was that Ruby Rose has left the show. She wasn't fired. She had left the show. Um, I... It's probably best because for me, she, I said this two years ago or yeah, when she was first announced, I felt that she was not right for the role because she is not a lead. I think she is a very solid supporting character, but there was nothing for me that said, yeah, she's great. She deserves to be a lead. And I think this shows she's very stiff. I don't think her performance is any good at all. And you know, I feel bad for the flack that she got when she was first cast. I didn't like it because I just don't think she's the lead. Um, I see people out there defending her, and I don't understand why. You can like someone, but that doesn't mean, like, you're good or great at what you do. You know what I mean? You're just mm-hmm. fine. Um, For Leo, I guess we'll start with you because you actually finished it. I actually tried to watch the last episode after missing like the last 10 because it was still on my DVR. I'm like, oh, let me just see how the season ends. And I and I don't like it at all. Do you, rough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you think this is any po- a positive for the show 
trying to no, get... No, totally. Absolutely. I think I'm, I, I, I'm on the side of this where it's like, I think Warner Brothers did their best to like try to identify a, an up-and-coming person they thought had star power. I mean, Ruby Rose was right off of her Orange is the New Black, her Pitch Perfect. Like, they thought they had someone that could be like a... Uh, a spokesperson for the LGBT community and like an up and rising star, I just think they missed. I I, I agree with you. I don't think she has that um, alpha type of person um, actress. Yep. I think she's a really good supporting actress. Um, I think the show can really do good things if they find a good person to put in there. Um, but honestly, the writing is pretty rough too. Mm-hmm. So her getting out of the show isn't going to be the end-all savior. I think Warner Brothers will keep it as a flagship-type show because of the community that it embraces, yep. but its writing is pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, before we get to... Before Ryan chimes in, I, I, read, I read over the last few days that one of the reasons that she wanted to step away was because it was, like, a lot of work. It was too much work. And I'm like, yo, like, you're on a show that is on a flagship... One of the flagships of your universe... That's one. Number two, it's not a good written show, like Leo mentioned and like I've said. And you still get greenlit for season two, and you still choose to leave. Come on, man! I, 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 I the defenders of her is just ridiculous with this whole thing. Yeah. Like, look at B- Melissa Benos; she works her ass off, and stuff mm-hmm. from like Kevin Smith has talked about how much he works her ass off as Supergirl. And she embraces it, and she is fantastic in the role. And I don't think, and Ryan and Leah, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I've never heard her once complain about it. No. Nope. And it's like, to me, it just comes off as you just don't want to do the work, but you want the fame. That's kind of how it yep. comes off to me. And the fact that I'm not really a big fan of her work in the first place, it just really rubbed me the wrong, like in a worse way. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I didn't finish the season. I will I, at some point. But, yeah, the, it, it's just really cringeworthy. Like, I wanted to like it. Like, you know, you guys know me. I like to find the good in everything. Mm-hmm. And she did all right as Batwoman herself, but everything surrounding it is what was horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's funny. And, and it's funny, right? Like, I, I think we discussed this. This is before Leo came on. We praised her. When she did the crossover last, not last year, or was it two years ago at this point? But if we really look yeah. at it, she was supporting. She was in the lead. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, okay, she did great as a supporting character, which is what she usually does. She does fine as a supporting character. But once they threw her face first into the lead, we got into what we got. And, you know, you can continue, right? I just think it's, it, it, I don't know. It, it just really rubbed oh. me the wrong way. You're 100% right. The minute, and she got used to just being like, oh, now that I'm the star, I have this much work. Oh, this is not what I expected. I don't like this. Let me get away. And I can't, and now I'm really interested to see where they go with next season. Because I think the plot, overall plot, I wasn't interested in. Like, her sister, I could care less about. And the uh, government agency, whatever it was called, I can't even remember off the top of my head. Like uh, I didn't, like I just didn't care watching. Like when I watched Flash, I care. When I watched Legends, I care. When I just watched, I watched one episode of Star Girl, and I cared more Boy, than the episodes of, uh, yeah. of Batwoman. 
Batwoman. Did I, we're going to talk about it in our quarantine section. Boy, did I love Stargirl. It was so yes. good. Um, yeah, so that, that's pretty much all I have on the Batwoman stuff. I think they should just go no name to replace her and mm-hmm. start from scratch. I can't because I can't really think of anybody that should replace her at the moment. So I think if you can't really think of anyone off the top of the head, I think it's better to just go completely brand new, no name, and then bring someone new that actually wants to be there. Just like I think it's, I think it could be too. You know, she made a boo boo face too while on set because she didn't want to be there, and it just made the work situation even worse for everyone around her. So that could be it too. And I don't buy the whole this is too much work for me. I can't imagine CW when these negotiations took place and Berlanti didn't tell her how much work it was going to be. It just seems a little weird that now she's like, oh, it's too much work. Like CW never, or Berlanti never said, it's going to be a lot of work. That's just, well, you know. Well, Dave, this kind of kind of goes with what you mentioned before. It could just mean that she bit off more than she could chew. Mm-hmm. That she's only been used to being like a third fiddle, second fiddle it type person. Yeah. Thinking it was going to be super easy. And now realizing, oh, no, wait, I'm the headliner. I can't take any days off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see what happens with Batwoman moving forward in 2021. All righty. I want, I want to spend some time on this. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, I want to spend some time on this. All righty. So on Monday, I reported that I had heard that there is a potential of the Snyder Cut coming to HBO Max. I think I had spoken about it late last year in passing. Like, I didn't really take it serious. I think it was around November, December that I first started. I mentioned it on here. I never wanted to report it because I really didn't have too many (laughs) confirmations from people that I reached out to. Then Monday happened that it was close to a done deal. And then Wednesday happened. And it was confirmed that <clears throat> Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming to HBO Max. And this pretty much ends two years of fanboys bitching and moaning, complaining, complaining, bullying, and getting what they want. And I don't I, I don't care whoever listens. You can at me and DM me at Gonzomania. That's my personal uh, Instagram. If you don't like what I'm going to say. You can hit me up and I can go tell you to fuck yourself because this is how I personally feel. And I'll let you guys chime in. I personally think that sometimes we shouldn't get what we want. And why do I say that? I'm going to bring up an example of something that I just recently binged on this week, the MCU. And my two cents on this is that out of all the ideas that Leo, that Ryan and myself thought of, the end of Endgame was not one of them. I don't think any of you guys predicted what end, the end of Endgame was. And you know what? That's a reason. That's a that's one of the the times we didn't get what we want, but what we got was much better. This whole situation, I think, it's just allows people to continue to bitch and moan when they don't get what they want, and continues the entitlement of today's society, and. Whether this movie's better, and I honestly think it may be maybe two or three percent better on RT, I don't expect this to be groundbreaking or anything like that, but I do expect it to be a little better. I just think the fact of what I've seen from Snyder cut people, like the supporters of this movement, they 
bully. They're sexist. There's been times that I've seen on Twitter with these Snyder Cut people that pretty much, if it's a female, they wish rape on them. And this is the type of people that, this is the type of people that right now, when it was announced that they were getting the movie, go off and Joss Whedon was trending and they were just knocking Joss Whedon. Listen, I'm not the biggest Joss Whedon fan. I think he's a better writer than director, but that's another story. But he doesn't, he doesn't deserve that. He was brought in to fix a mess. And it's like assholes on the internet decide, you know, because you, you're behind a computer and behind a keyboard that you can say things and disrespect people. And it's just like, yo, no, 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 that's just not the way it works. And the fact that that specific group of assholes got what they wanted, it's a fucking, a little fucking nerd. It, it, it pisses me off. It really does piss me off because it's like, and I, and like, there are some that aren't assholes and I, and I have, spoken to them over the last few days on my dm because i find this whole thing funny and they're just happy this particular person is just happy that he, that the movie's getting released and i'm like yo it's to the point that you're not even getting a fucking movie you're just getting a, a mini series because one of the reports is that it's going to be either a four or six chapter series it's you're not even getting a movie so it's like let's let's pull it back and just come to the realization that the only reason this happened was because hbo max subscriber count probably wasn't that high and they're like you know let's give snyder what let's give snyder fanboys what they want so we could get their money and they can have them subscribe to hbo max it's a brilliant business move but i just think it sucks of the people that are going to benefit from it but yeah i'll let ryan kick it off if you have i said a lot i'm sorry it's all right. Um, I will say the plus about it is more bat black. Yeah, I'm happy yeah. about there that. You go. <laughs> but no, you said it best. I mean, I mean, Dave, me and you are wrestling fans, and we there was a tragic loss. Yes, because of internet trolls, because of people like that, and it just saddens my heart that people like that are gaining power, especially with everything going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But. I didn't look at it like that. I mean, it's going to be entertainment. I'm happy we're going to... I'm looking at the positive. I'm looking... We're getting more backpack. We're getting more Gal Gadot. Um, we're getting some of the good stuff. And who knows? It might be a little bit better. It's going to be more entertainment. And and if it's going to be bad, then guess what? Now we can be like, haha, it's not as good assholes. Now what do you got? And I'm sure they're going to sit there and make excuses like, well, now they didn't do it the way they wanted to because it was rushed into six pieces. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where it's going to be. Leo? And I'm like, no, you... No, right. Go ahead. If you have support, no, right. You have more. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Like no. But pretty much, if you, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll come back to you, right, Leo. Yeah. No. Um. I. I'm with. I'm with you both. Um. I think that this whole um uh, rewarding entitlement is is sucky, man. I think that like when it started out, like let's be honest, like some of the films that we've reviewed in the in the past months. Um, even like past year when R- Rise of Skywalker came out, Rise of Skywalker is like a movie that was very much affected by pleasing the fans mm-hmm. and getting what they wanted. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, when that movie was first released, the first trailer, the fans started bitching and moaning and they got their way too. Um, I think, uh, I think this is a trend. I do think that this is definitely, like they said, it's a business move. I think it's like a perfect timing kind of thing with uh, the current quarantine and this, that this has made it a, a, a feasible option. 
Um, I do think, though, that our favorite fans are not going to let us down, and they're still going to find something wrong with this, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 exactly like Ryan said. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's, let's be honest. I, um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I have some questions to you, Dave, about this, though. Yes. Because, um, I mean, I'm not too sure about the behind-the-scenes thing, but, like, and I figured a cut means that they just use different scenes. But now I'm hearing there's going to be reshoots for this thing. So, so he, like, isn't this, are they, are they just filming another movie? So he got $20 million to do this, to do that uh, visual effects and to do editing and a couple of reshoots. He said he wants everyone back. So Ben is not under contract anymore. Henry, I don't believe, is under contract anymore. So I think they would have to negotiate a payout for them plus in that $20 million. If it's me, just give them, just, if you're going to do this, just edit it, do the visual effects, get whatever it's done, get it out there. Yeah. I know for a fact that Joss's uh, version of Justice League only used like 20%, if that, of the four hour cut of Snyder's movie. So there is a lot that's different. I I personally don't know how this is going to go because in a way it's like, let's say it, we're gonna thinking positively in terms of the actual pro, actual product. Let's say it's really good, right? You don't have these people under contract, so you, you can't. It's not like you can follow up on it. Like I, I I'm hearing a lot of comparisons. Oh, this is HBO Max's Mandalorian, and I'm like, no, it's not because you can't wow. really continue it. Like you you have Gal Gadot still, you have Momoa still. I mean, what? I guess they still have Ezra, but I, with everything going on in his life right now, who knows if that's even going to so, continue? Let me ask you a question, D. If this movie, let's say, it, by all like accounts, it, it comes out, this little cut comes out, and it blows us away, would that make you rethink the leadership of Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment? Yes. Yeah. I I, I will be. I will come on here and say, yeah, Snyder did it. Snyder did a good job. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. Um, I, I've always felt like DC always puts their hands in the cookie jar too much. They didn't do that to Christopher Nolan, but you know what the problem is? I don't know if you guys agree. I think it's when they don't have faith in their director, they put their hands in the cookie jar. I totally agree. Because they never did that to Nolan. (laughs) I never heard once. And it's been what? At this point, 12 years since the Dark Knight, 15 years since Batman Begins and almost 10 years since, um, Rises. I never heard once the studio getting involved with Nolan. It just seems like it's if we don't have complete faith in you, we're going to get our hands dirty and just get involved and make you change things. I also think Snyder really, really, really wanted to do the dark tone stuff, but he doesn't do it the way Nolan did. So that's a problem. Yeah. Nolan grounds his stuff in reality. That doesn't mean that it's dark. Sometimes life is dark. Snyder's. Snyder just said, not only am I going to make this dark, I'm going to throw away the color palette. I'm going to do everything. Yeah. It's like, my, and then for, for the Snyder people that want to come at me, oh, but, 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 but he casted Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa. I'm like, but he didn't write the script. He didn't direct them. <laughs> and they, because of the, the standalone movies is why they exploded. I oh, mean, hell yeah. And, yeah, instead of, that's what I was gonna say. Instead of taking the money and doing the twenty million, just give us Aquaman two, give us Shazam two. That's what we really want. Give us what we want, not Snyder two. Here, here, here's here's a, some food for your some food for thought. I um 
I was looking at it. So let's say I think it's twenty million, but it could go up to thirty million. Thirty million dollars extra to add to a top of already at that point a hundred and fifty to two hundred million dollar budget to a movie that did make seven hundred million, but it wasn't as profitable as expected. Joker cost sixty million dollars with marketing. And it made a billion dollars and it didn't deserve and it didn't need a fucking petition to get released. You really look at it. You really look at it under that context. These Snyder fans need to realize like, yo, maybe your boy's not a fucking good director. That's that's maybe what it is. And you You guys hear who they, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Go ahead. Did you hear who they cast as uh, Darkseid? Yeah. I saw that the guy, uh, the guy came out on Twitter and he's like, I can finally admit that it's me. Oh, who is it? Reporter, yeah, reporter. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's not fucking Josh Brolin, so I think I was a little excited <laughs> when I found out Josh Brolin was Thanos. But you know, it's like comparing chicken salad to chicken shit. So let's not let's not do that. All right, so that pretty much wraps my thoughts up. Except I had one question for you guys: Do you think? Because of this, we're going to get Disney to release the Colin Trevorrow script of Episode Nine in animated form. It's a, th- it's a thought now, isn't it? Because if this is successful, Disney may be like, oh, we have this script that we didn't use. Let's just animate it. I don't know. I feel like Disney's more of like the, They're not I want to be the first one to do it. I don't want to bite off someone else's thing and yeah. try it. Yeah. No. yeah like I don't need, they don't need to do it. They don't need to do it. I agree. <laughs> I mean, the three of us here enjoy Rides of Skywalker, so we're fine with the way it ended. Yeah. And it kind of, it kind of steps over JJ's feet, even though JJ's now with Warner. So, but yeah, yeah. I, it, it was just a question that that it came to mind. I'm like, oh, I wonder if now this is going to start the Disney should release Colin Trevorrow's. Uh, oh, so, episode so don't get nine. me wrong. I think I think the the freaking annoying. People are gonna be tweeting about it more now, but I just don't. I just don't see Disney bowing down to peer pressure that way. Awesome. All right. Good. And All right. Let's see the original version of Solo. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Right. I like that. I like that one much better. Actually, good one. Disney, get on it. Uh, All right. So that wraps up the news for today. Let's get into our quarantine watch. I will go last because outside of the MCU, I want to touch on two documentaries that I think, especially one that I think you both are going to love and i think you're going to search after so ryan i'll let you kick it off what you watch this week um i finally got around to watching creed one and two and although i have a little bit of a rant because paramount doesn't know that some people like to dvr stuff so they started creed one half hour into it so i didn't get i missed the first half hour oh no but i did love both of them one is better than two in my opinion yep i agree but what two is a lot better than you probably expected right Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I've me and Casey are starting the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> oh, really, dude? You're so much better. <laughs> We're than <that>. curious. <laughs> We're on one and two right now, and so far we're just. Yeah, we're both like, why is this a thing? How does this get nine freaking movies? Wait, and, wait, um, Rye. Wait till you get to part five, and it just turns into this. Yeah. They become like <laughs> professional agents and stuff. And on the DC anime front, I finally got around to watching Wonder Woman Bloodlines. Not their best work when it comes to animated stuff, but not their worst. And we touched on it a little bit, and I'm sure we're going to talk about, I'll 
put on hold Stargirl. Do you think, by the way, Rai, since you pretty much are, while we all enjoyed, you're the aficionado on the DC animated, they've started to fall off a little bit, right? Yeah. I've noticed that too. Justice League War was kicking ass, and like the ones after that were great, and then they're like, no, 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 no. (laughs) I'm glad we're on the same boat there. What about you, Leo? So not too much on my end. I did figure, I just started a show that like goes, whenever someone mentions what's the best TV show out there in history, it's usually between these uh, these two top shows that I've never seen. So I gave Sopranos a shot. So now I'm watching The Wire. Um, and I'm freaking loving it. It's freaking awesome. It's uh, early 2000s, Baltimore, a lot of familiar faces from other shows after there. Uh, but other than that, I watched that, and I watched um, the show that I think the three of us loved a lot, that I have a feeling you're probably going to expand a little bit more about, uh, Stargirl. Yep, so I will kick it off with Stargirl before I get into the other stuff. I had no idea that this was Jeff John's first work at DC. And once, So before the episode, I, I kind of wanted to... I didn't want to know too much, but I just wanted to know a little bit. And that I, I, all I got to was Jeff John's first work, and that's all I needed to know. I just, I just went right in after that. <laughs> it, it is. I already care about other characters, and that's all that I need to say in terms of how effective the pilot was, as opposed to like Batwoman that we were talking about before. I, I love the backstory that we got in the first few minutes, and I'm trying to keep this very non-spoilery. Um, I just think it sets the origin for where the show is going to go very, very well. And there's already a lot of heart in the show. And I will let you guys ride. Take it away. What do you think? When I heard some of the names, I almost came out of my seat. Like, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm going to give a slight point. Like, I heard Grundy. I'm like, yes, bitch. Like, you don't even see him. And I heard the name. Like, oh, my God. Like, this is where we're going. Like, this is what. DCW does right. Like, damn it. This is what I love about DCW. Everything about this show is wrapped into one. It reminds, reminded me of early Flash. Yes! Oh, like, right. You took the words right out of my mouth. Great great job there. That's what I was going to say. The way yeah, I, like, the way the I way felt, the way I felt watching this pilot was the way I felt this first, uh, when I saw the pilot of The Flash. I totally agree yeah. with you. What about you, Leo? Yeah, uh, I freaking loved it, too. I think, Dave, you hit it on the head, too. Like, the, the heart in the show was surprising. I didn't know what I was expecting, to be honest, with all the all, with every single new CW DC show. Like, they all have kind of different identities. Like, this was definitely not Black Lightning. This was definitely not Batwoman. Um, this yeah, is definitely it's not a, Legend. It's a good show. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, hey, Legends but, is a good show. No, no, but, but this is very different from them. Yep. And what I loved yeah. about it was the tone. This one merged the darkness and like the seriousness that I would expect from like the the uh, the Watchmen on HBO, and it gave it a bit of like a, a little bit of like the the kidness and the funness that I would expect from I guess uh, like Supergirl. Yep. Um, I love. I'm I'm a huge huge fan of any time they go into like this older superhero type thing yep. like when we even though we're, i know you're not a big fan of the movie but um in the movie watchman whenever you see those little flashbacks of like the old school superheroes i like that as well uh, i like that a lot yeah right it's, it's fun it's yeah. cool like seeing like like the little classic picture and stuff no no big spoilers on anything i think uh rye hit it on the head with like the little like the dc easter eggs that they throw in there um i freaking love it i think the cast is really really talented um i'm excited i'm excited and i know that um 
Courtney Whitmore, which is Stargirl, has been played before. So she was uh, on Legends, actually. Sarah Gray yeah. played her, and then Britt Irvin oh, on really? Smallville. So she has been played before, but Breck Bassinger, who plays her in, in, in the show, she's so great. And the chemistry mm-hmm. with her and Luke Wilson is top-notch. Like, I can't wait to see uh, them. The The rest of the series, I just want to see them together. They're so, so yeah. great. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first time JSA has ever been mentioned on a DC TV show? Unless it was mentioned on Smallville way, way, way back when, but I don't think JSA has really ever been explored. No, I think it was mentioned. I think no, I think Legends may have done it. Oh, then that's yeah, probably that's probably why I don't know shit because I don't watch Legends. Yeah, because Legends Legends had something time traveling incarnation. Yeah, yeah Legends. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but yeah, if you guys haven't Roughly. seen it, I'm a little. I'm a little sad that because it's also on the DC Universe app. So I thought the first two episodes were already up, and it's only one. They screen. They have a screenshot of part of episode two, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can go right into two. And no, it's making me wait. <laughs> oh wait, so you guys haven't seen episode two yet? No, it's a. You saw episode uh-huh. two already? Wait, hold on. No, that's the. It comes out tomorrow. Yep. on the 25th. Yep. I had the same issue when that when I was watching it on my on my streaming service. You see the screenshot, and you're like, perfect. I can see it ahead yep, of everybody. That's else. exactly what I thought. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, man. But yeah, uh, I can't wait to watch episode two and then hopefully we get to touch on their whole series at the end of the run. I think it's a 13 episodes, which it should be well, the way every other show should be. So hopefully we have great things to say moving forward. All right. Before we get into our 25 blockbusters, I wanted to finish up the uh, quarantine watch by talking about a documentary on the 1994 Fantastic Four movie called <laughs> guys this is one of the funnest documentaries i have ever seen it is glorious it is on it's on amazon prime so it's easily accessible it's called doomed the story of the 1994 fantastic four movie so i'm not going to touch too much on it so because I, I would love for you guys to watch it you guys know the movie wasn't released right yeah okay yeah i actually went ahead and bought it because they're selling it on ebay like like uh transferred copies so i just bought it for five bucks after i saw the documentary because i just want i just need to see this i just it, it looks <laughs> glorious glorious so do you I'll, the only thing i'm going to tell you guys the budget of that movie was one million dollars wow one what did you expect with one million dollars for a comic book movie and remember what marvel was at the time it obviously is nothing to what it was um what it is today it's very interesting to see the how stan lee is portrayed here because he's not really portrayed too well in terms of he comes off very two-face-ish and i'll let you guys watch on your own and you'll see what why but basically the movie was never meant to be made the movie was only meant to be greenlit so they can keep the rights to the fantastic four which is the same shit that Fox did for years make Fantastic Four movies to keep the rights. So even back in 1993-1994 they were still doing this. Not Fox the studio that had it at the time was doing the same thing. It's, it, it's, it's just pretty incredible and honestly from watching snippets still looks better than Fan Stick. <laughs> so I I think you guys should give it a shot if you can. If you can like I mentioned it's free on Prime Video right now. So I think you guys give it a shot. 
would love to know your take on it. And it, it and apparently, the, sorry about that, guys. Apparently, there is um, a movement for this movie to actually get a real release. <laughs> so it's very interesting. The next one that I saw uh, may not interest you two guys too much, but uh, Room 237 is about The Shining. It's uh, pretty much touches on the theories that come from the from the actual movie. Very interesting stuff. Some of the stuff you would never have imagined to assume from watching that movie, but it's very interesting too. And last quarantine stuff that I saw was actually I finished up the MCU. I will say this. I don't want another endgame for another 10 years. I don't think my heart can take it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, damn, bro. <laughs> I, I, and, and I think rewatching everything back to... It took me seven days to watch the entire MCU. Um, rewatching everything back to back to back to back like that, Endgame hits me so much harder. It really, really hits you so much harder. Because the perfect example is uh, Mor- uh, Morgan talking about she wants a cheeseburger, and six days earlier... I saw Tony ask for a cheeseburger. It, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. When you watch it that close together, it it really kills you. And Dave, you you saw it in chronological order, not release order, right? Yes, I I will never ever watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe in my home in release order ever again. I just I just I don't feel that it has the effect as watching it in chronological, especially with. The last moment of Captain America, and I told you guys off the line, was um, Cap crashing into the ice and him saying, you know, I had a date. And then the last shot of Endgame is him finally having that date. It just really, really parallels beautifully when you watch everything chronological. Yes, some of the, the post credit scenes don't make too much sense in the beginning. I think after Iron Man 2, all the post credit scenes fit perfectly. Obviously, the ones in the early on, it doesn't really fit. Uh, but I, especially Captain Marvel because of what that post credit scene is. But um, I think it really, really, really is an effective way to watch it. If you guys want to rewatch it, give it a chronological at least once a shot and let me know what you guys think. Alrighty. So let's get to our director of the week. We are going to look at Robert Zemeckis. I'm going to run through his filmography and we're going to decide, is he a great director or does he have some great hits? I'm going to start with his first film, 1978, I Want to Hold Your Hand. I'm going to assume I am the only one that has seen that. Uh, yes. So, yeah. yeah, so it's about uh, pretty much these girls that want to go see the Beatles on uh, the Ed Sullivan show. It's really, really good. I really enjoy that. Then, Used Cars. I've never seen Used Cars. What? Nope. Nope. All right. Rom- nope. Romancing the Stone. Nope. Nope. Same for me. I think so. All right. I know you guys haven't seen this. Back to the Future. Nope. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Back to the Future is an incredible film. One of my favorite films of all time. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was his next film in 1988. I think Roger Rabbit is a very, very good movie. The animation doesn't age well, but it's a very good movie. Ryan, what do you think? Oh, I think it's an incredible film. Especially the very end. (laughs) And you'll never see, before we get to Leo, we'll never see Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse on the same screen again. That's how pretty much crazy that is. Leo, what do you think of Roger Rabbit? 
Yeah, I love Roger Rabbit. I love that, like, 10 and 11 used to, um, used to always put it on. But you see, like, the rewatchability factor was, like, a part of my childhood. Same uh, here. Definitely love it. Back to the Future Part 2. Love it. Love it. Love it. I ain't going to be the only one that says this. Back to the Future Part 3. I love Back to the Future Part 3. Ryan? Love it. Oh, you loved it? I loved it. Oh, what about you, Leo? I like it. I like it. I I don't love it, but I definitely like it. It's the weakest of the three. We'll say that. Yes. But I still really enjoy it. Death Becomes Her, 1992. Oh, I freaking love that movie. (laughs) Never seen it. I've never seen it. It's so... So it's cheesy. It's dark. It's a, it's a dark comedy. Uh, but it's Goldie Hawn and oh my gosh, I can't remember who else. Oh yeah. Oh and um, it's Meryl Streep. Oh it's, wow. It's, it's funny. It's funny. I like it. Next up, Forrest Gump. I think Forrest Gump is great. I do think it's great. Uh, he yeah. shouldn't have won the Oscar for that, but I think it's great. Uh, uh Rye, what do you think? It's a good movie. And I think Leo? it's a tad overrated, but okay. I I've heard that plenty of times. I definitely, I, I, I respect that. What about you, Leo? Yeah, I like it. I, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's Tom Hanks, right? It's yep. a really, really good movie. Next up, Contact. I've never seen Contact. Oh, I love Contact. And you, you right? Uh, I don't think I've seen it. All right. Next up, What Lies Beneath. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it, it's okay. Uh, next up, Castaway. Very good. I like Castaway a lot. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a movie. All right, Polar Express. I think I'm the only one that probably likes it. Right. It's okay. Leo. Yeah, you're on. You're on on that one. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've seen it yet. <laughs> Beowulf. I don't like Beowulf. Right. M- meh. Leo. Never seen it. All right, Christmas Carol. I don't like this version of the Christmas of a Christmas Carol. This is the one with Which Jim Carrey. Which version is this? Is, yeah, this, is, this is the one with Jim Carrey, <laughs> the animated one. Oh no, decent, but not yeah, not great. All right, next up yeah. is Flight. I think Flight's okay. I think Flight's decent. Hasn't seen it. And yeah, you have, next seen it. next up the Walk. I've not seen it. it existed. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting movie. The documentary is better, but it's it's fine. Uh, next up, Allied. Allied stinks. Allied is garbage. I'll have to take your word for it. And finally, Welcome to Marwin stinks. Oh, this is the one with, with Steve Carell. Carell. Yeah, Steve Carell. No, I think I think the reviews kind of scared me away from it. Yeah. So. That's pretty much it. He has The Witches coming out this year and Pinocchio live action adaptation. So what do we what do we look at? I think he's very I think he has his number one is just all time great. And but I think he's a good director. I wouldn't say he's all time great. What about you, uh, Leo? So it's funny looking at the list. Like, I can't get a sense for who he is. I like. I see inconsistency. I see inconsistency. Is that where where I? I kind of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like it's. I don't know. It's just like a, I can't. Yeah, it's weird. Like Burton, you know, you're watching a Burton. Scorsese, you feel like you're watching a Scorsese. Tarantino, you definitely know you're watching Tarantino. I don't know what Zemeckis feels like to be honest. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're they're good movies. Yeah. No, I I agree. All right. Last bit. I'm curious. Do you think we're about to get into our 25 summer blockbusters? Is Steven Spielberg the king of directing summer blockbusters, you think? Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Cause he's, <laughs> I, when doing this list, he was, on, he's on it a lot. So let's get into it. I did this list a little differently. You're going to see that while I do think some of these movies are higher on my all time favorite list and they may be higher on certain genre lists when it comes to the blockbuster, when it comes to its significance of the time, it surpasses. Like I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. M- Star Wars is higher than Empire on this list. And I'm going to tell and I'm going to say why. Um, same thing with other franchises. I'm very interested. I think this list is going to be very different from all of us. But I think that once we get to the explanation as to why, we'll, we will appreciate our list so much more. So with that being said, 25 summer blockbusters. We are going to go 25 through 10 through 11 right now. And then we're going to do a top 10. So I will kick it off with... My number 25 is Gremlins, 1984's Gremlins. People forget how big that movie was, and it was released the same week as Ghostbusters, actually. And that that would never happen today. Number 24, a movie that, shout out to friend of the show, Kev, I was shocked, because this is the quintessential Kev movie, and it did not make the list. Independence Day, number 24. I think, I remember as a kid, loving independence day it hasn't really aged too well but that speech on there is still the best presidential speech of all time number 23 top gun it's quintessential summer fun with tom cruise 22 the hangover 21 my favorite action film of the debt of the 2010s mad max fury road number 20 Die Hard. Number 19, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Number 18, The Fugitive. Number 17, Spider-Man 2. Number 16, Aliens. Number 15, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number 14, You Never Forget Your First, but just because... They're your first doesn't mean they're the best. Number 14 is Jaws. Nice. Number 13, the reason it's this low is because of a movie that expanded its expectation and box office. My number 13 is The Avengers. But at, in 2012, that was the event. That was the event of the summer. Number 12, The Goonies. And number 11, the original Endgame. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Nice. All right. Right on. Leo, go ahead. So it's funny, D. You and I almost hit exact numbers on three movies. Oh wow! And I, and I was like geeking out the whole time, like, oh shoot, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, so much like you, I, I kind of went a different route as well. What I did was earlier this month, um, Rotten Tomatoes did like a uh, March Badness kind of bracket of the top summer blockbusters and um, they put them head to head at the end the whole their whole thing got destroyed by reddit and some trolls but it gave me a really fresh 64 best of the best money makers I hope so then of those 64 i went and picked my top 25 nice i hope you didn't do uh end up with their final did you see their final by no the that's why the thing is like um they through reddit someone through reddit managed to like 
get a whole bunch of trolls to go into the voting and it destroyed it from like the 16th round up from uh, the 316 up it was just destroyed yeah i can see because i expected uh i think it was i i predicted star wars batman empire and then back to the future or something like that and then, yeah it, it just seemed ridiculous where it ended up but yeah go ahead leo yeah so actually my number so i pretty much of those top 64 grossing my favorites are my number 25 is Spider-Man 1. Mm. Um, although I'm not a huge Sam Raimi fan of the Spider-Man, I remember that this movie just meant so much going to the movie theaters. And it was like one of those, like, you have to go to the movie theaters the first weekend in May because something cool is coming out. Uh, my number 24, Independence Day. Yes! Well done! <laughs> well done! Yeah, exactly what you <laughs> Exactly where you put it on yours. I can, uh, I, can, I can see I can see when aliens come down, you telling them welcome to Earth and then smacking them. Here's <laughs> here's a little spoiler alert. I have a Will Smith for number twenty four, but it's not Independence Day. Oh, I'm curious. Uh, my number, number twenty three is Forrest Gump. Wow, uh, you number, went there. Yeah, number twenty. Because I remember, so I remember going to the movie theaters for that one. I went with my parents. It was like the it was like a, a the, yeah, so the big weekend. It came out on July 6th, so 4th of July weekend. And I remember that the thing that stuck with me is that um, a veteran had to leave the, the viewing of the movie. And, like, uh, we didn't understand why. And after the movie, like, he was outside, and, like, he was telling people that it was so realistic, like, he couldn't even endure the rest of the movie. Um, and I remember that just stuck with me. And I'm like, wow, like, if film could do this to someone, like, bring back those kind of memories, like, that just stuck with me. Um, my number, uh, my number twenty-two is Toy Story three. Nice, love that. My number twenty-one is Saving Private Ryan. Oh, nice. My number twenty, Star Wars: A New Hope. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa! Well, again, again, I'm not, a, I'm not as big a Star Wars fan as you guys are. I appreciate it, but I'm not. That's not my domain. I but, find your lack of faith disturbing. So do I. These are not. These are, <laughs> you're not the droids we're looking for. There's a movie where D and I almost got the same. My number nineteen, Top Gun. Yes. Uh, my number eighteen, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part Two. I'm just happy you included it, Leo. I'm so happy it's there. It should be. It definitely should be. And like, I think it's like one of those things where, like, until you start making a list like this, you don't realize how many of these defined your summers. Like those like trips to the movie theaters with your friends, like these all happen during summer. And you just kind of forget about it. Uh, my number seventeen, ET, the extraterrestrial. <gasps> I'm heartbroken. I know. Uh, I don't. Yeah, you guys, you guys probably have it in your top five. Um, my number sixteen, Iron Man one. I can uh, see it. It started everything. Yeah, I was, that's, exactly, that's exactly it. It was another one of those May second movies, right? May movies. Like, much like uh, your wedding and Cinco de Mayo and my sister's birthday, like, the first weekend of May always meant something, but Iron Man 1 would be the thing there. Uh, 15, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 14, Captain America, Civil War. Oh, you really went Marvel heavy. Okay, awesome. 13, Jaws. And I wanted to put Jaws up higher because I know what it meant. I know that after that movie... Everything like millions changed. of people were exactly yeah, millions of people were terrified of the beach. <laughs> uh, number twelve, Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay, so it's lo- okay, interesting. Number eleven, The Avengers one. All right, that's it. And that's it. Yep, Ryan, take it away. 
Number 25, The Simpsons Movie. Oh, my God, Ryan. <laughs> hey, hey, it made some good money. And did it really? To find my summer. It made, I have I have it, $527 million, million that year. And I, it made well over its budget. I, I'm going to say that a lot of the time, a lot of the people that saw that movie, including myself, be- went because the teaser to The Dark Knight was on there. <laughs> Maybe, but they still win. I went twice. I went once with our, with our friend Alex, and I went once with my coworker. Is it a good movie though, from what you remember? That, I... that, 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 whole, that whole spider pig scene made the movie. <laughs> yes, is, is so it a good movie still? Worth it. it. It has its moments. There's some parts you you know you're like okay, I drags, but there's other parts that still make you laugh. All right, go ahead. Number twenty four, my Will Smith movie, Men in Black. Okay, yep, totally. I'm totally with that. That was a summer release. Yep. Oh, wow. Interesting. All right, go ahead. Number 23, Die Hard. Yes. Number 22, Grease. Yes! God. God. Number 21, Avengers. Nice. Number 20, Jurassic Park. (gasps) Okay. I just watched it for the first time this week, so give me a little bit of that. Oh, you didn't tell us what you thought then. What do you think of Jurassic Park? It was good. Oh, don't you, oh Ryan. Ryan, no, Ryan. No, it's a great movie. I just don't know why there need to be so many more of them. I would agree with you, but, oh. It was oh. a good movie. It could have ended there is all I'm saying. Just remember to put, make seven-year-old Ryan in 1993 seeing those dinosaurs for the first time. True, yes. And you're talking 29-year-old Ryan seeing these dinosaurs like, okay, that's pretty... These are still pretty cool. And another movie that I just saw for the first time that uh, is why it's so low, number 19, Inception. Nice. I'm glad you still have it. It didn't make my list, but it's it's a great movie. Number 18, Iron Man. I ain't shit for it. I'm the only one that didn't have it. (laughs) Number 17, Deathly Hallows Part 2. You're right. Almost the same right there. Yeah. (laughs) Number 16, E.T. Oh. oh yeah, nice. Oh. Good stuff. Ian Ryrick, right on, right on point. Number fifteen, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, I love that, right? Mm-hmm. Number fourteen, The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, I love it. Thirteen, Lion King. Twelve, Pirates of the Caribbean, and eleven, T two. Oh wow, T two is a little lower than I thought you you were gonna have it. Yeah, that was hard. Like, it just barely did. Like it was hard for me. All right. So why don't you, if you have your, since you have your list up, why don't you do ten through two right now, and then we'll go backwards on this one. All right. So do you want me to do with the scene and then how much it made? Uh, do your do what it made and then scene to finish off. Okay. Um, number ten, Back to the Future. It made oh. thirty. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's okay, David. It's okay. I, I can't I, I can't even put words together right now. <laughs> it's in the top ten. <sighs> Go ahead. It was hard. When I get to the rest of the list, you'll understand if, why this was hard. If Clerks is on this list, I'm leaving no, you. No, it's not. I swear to God, there's no views to for once. $389 million, And for my favorite scene is when George stands up for himself. Yes. I just think it's a great scene. Um, my number nine is Spider-Man 2. It made $789 million and the train scene, obviously. Yep. Um, Ghostbusters is my number eight. 
making two hundred ninety-five million, and the hotel scene is my favorite there. Great and I have to tell you, this list, the second hardest besides the order for me was the favorite scenes, like with some of them. Because there's like, so many great them, ones, like, yeah. Like with some of them, like my number seven is Wonder Woman. Like No Man's Land, it was easy, but like Ghostbusters, that was hard. That's what she said. Um, and uh, <laughs> and Wonder Woman made eight hundred twenty-one mil. Um, number six, Endgame, uh, made two point seven nine eight billion. And my favorite scene was Avengers Assemble. Number five, Star Wars, uh, the Death Star battle. Oh, it made seven hundred and seventy-five million. Number four, Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow, I love that movie. Uh, especially rewatching it for this list, like I fell in love with that movie again, all over. Make it, and it made seven hundred seventy-two point eight million. And my favorite scene of it is oddly enough the final battle of the dance off. It makes me laugh. It's such an odd way to end such an actiony scene, and I love it. Um, number three, Batman 89. Um, 411, uh, I guess, million, and the museum scene is my favorite. That, was that, right before you go to number two, was that hard for you? That one? Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> and I had to rewatch that again. That was another one I had to rewatch this week to pick out my favorite scene. Um, and number two, Empire with 547.9. And, of course, I am your father. All righty. All right, Leo, take it away. Uh, so I don't have the final numbers. I have the final numbers for one movie because I know I might have to, like, defend it to David. <laughs> but right. luckily, Ryan had it on his list already, so I don't have to do too much defending. My number 10, Grease. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. It's so <laughs> no, it's not. Ridiculous. No, it's not. So check it out. Check it out. <gasps> their, box off- their box office was one $188 million domestic. Three hundred and ninety-four point nine million worldwide. It was the number one movie in nineteen seventy-eight in the nineteen seventy-eight box office. Twenty-five million dollars above Superman. Now, granted, Superman did come out in December, so its run had just started. Yeah, but yeah, Greece was pretty much atop the 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 uh, the, the the charts for fourteen weeks. Um, and he had earned three hundred million dollars globally. I I think I think for me it's I think the placement. I think the problem yeah. for me is just like I think that movie is so wrong in a lot of ways. True, but like the thing is like now there's still that that movie now is still one of those like happy mm-hmm. summer movies. You put it on. I mean, um, sing alongs are for it. You can watch it at the drive-in. Maybe it's perfect right now. Uh, but for me, I know Grease is still one of my favorite movies to see and to sing along oh, to. Still the word? Oh, you Grease took it from me. Well done. <laughs> uh, and, for me, my, my, and my favorite scene is uh, Summer Loving. My, uh, my number nine, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Nice. Um, and my favorite scene for that is, it's a small one, but it's a small scene. Uh, when T-1000 can't get through the jail, the, the, the door, because of his gun. So he liquefies through the whole cellar, through the jail door, but everything in his body is liquid metal except for the gun that he has, and that can't get through the door. So he has to, like, realign for that. I always thought that was cool watching that, like, graphically. My number eight is Ghostbusters. Yes. I'm just Uh, happy it's all on your list. Yeah. My (laughs) favorite scene is 
at the end when they're on the rooftop and they all sync up with uh, Venkman saying, grab your stick. They'll go, hold, hold it, up. heat, a, yep, heat, him heat up. him up, smoke in, make them hard. Ooh, Ready? Let's st- let's show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. Yep. <laughs> and you think funny? That's like the original like Avengers Assemble. Yeah, like, go it is. Assemble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number seven because I did see this movie when I was a little boy and I did love dinosaurs is Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> um, and any- anyone that knows me as far as dinosaurs, like, I loved them when I was a little kid. Um, and my favorite was always the Triceratops. So my favorite scene in that is when Sam Neill's character is on that Triceratops and it's breathing heavily because it's sick. It just it just grabs my imagination. So I just would you take out the shit from the... <laughs> you know, it's, I just I, have I, to I, ask if you're such a I fan. Still, I still remember that scene too. Like, that's a huge pile of shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> With, if I if I had those special quarantine gloves that they have, I probably would. For the, to make the to make the Triceratops feel better, I would have to investigate why it got sick. Um, <laughs> my number six, Avengers: Infinity War. Um, my favorite scene there is Thor's entrance in Wakanda. Uh, my number five, The Dark Knight. Oh my God! So low. <laughs> Yeah, the, the number five is Dark Knight for me, and my favorite scene in that movie is Joker's magic trick. At the, at the at when you introduce when they introduce him as like as the Joker mm-hmm. when he's with the mob. Was that a hard scene to choose? Yeah, absolutely. But I do uh, remember that when I first watched the movie, that one stuck out because it was like the this is Joker, like this is a psychopath, and he still keeps it statistically funny. But I remember that that always will sit like stand out for me. My number four, Back to the Future. Uh, and it's funny because like, my favorite scene, Dave and I recreate quite often in normal conversation. The uh, That's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> like, is there is something wrong with the, with, with the gravitational pull? <laughs> uh, my number three, Lion King. Oh. I saw that I was when I was doing my research. I saw Lion King on so many lists. That's I forgot how much money that made in '94. Yeah, '94. It was a. It's it, it, it just in general, like the movie itself. Like I still, it's my favorite Disney movie. Um, my favorite battle or my favorite scene is the Simba versus Scar fight on Mustafar at the end. Mm, yes. <laughs> and uh, and my number two is um, Avengers Endgame. Oh, that's what I thought your number one was going to be. I'm very interested in your number one now. No, the number one, one and two were like the, the, the quintessential, like, oh, my God. Oh, I know, yep. Yep, so, I know what number one is. All right, cool. Of course. All righty, so I'll run through mine real quick. I put Empire out of respect at number 10 because um, I think if we really look at the summer blockbuster aspect of it, to us, it's huge, especially since we just covered it last week. But as I mentioned last week, it's the lowest grossing of the original trilogy. So it wasn't as big of a blockbuster as they originally had intended it to be. But being as it is the greatest Star Wars film of all time, and we got to give it some love. So it's my number 10. Uh, like I, you guys mentioned, it made 547 at the box office. Number nine. Uh, oh, no. In terms of favorite scene, uh, same one as uh, Rai, the I Am Your Father. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. 520 million my favorite scene this one was a tough one for me i actually really like 
it's very subtle too, but I like the scene when they're in the parking lot and he tell that you have that group of guys that come in and that's kind of the first time that you see John Connor and the Terminator have bond. I oh, like, yeah. I like that scene a lot. And the one that I had a hard time picking is actually the end when he has, gives a thumbs up when he's dying. I, I like that scene a lot as well. Number eight, Jurassic park. Uh, like Leo, I like dinosaurs and I have a soul. <laughs> so I remember when I first saw Jurassic Park in 1993 it, it it just became engraved in my head that this is how dinosaurs are supposed to be and are supposed to act and the fact that to me to this day that Spielberg was actually able to create a villain because the raptors are the villains and you every time I watch Jurassic Park I'm like yeah these guys are these fucking raptors or the assholes or the the heels of the of the film. It made Dave, yes. Quick question. This is totally off topic, but it's about dinosaurs. In school, when they had those scholastic book fairs, did you look for every single type of dinosaur book you could find? Yes, I did. I actually didn't do that. <laughs> and then I realized that Jurassic Park lied to us for for many many years um it's still impressive cgi it's still impre- impressive fa- practical effects it is such an incredible film and it's spielberg's highest grossing film at 1.32 billion dollars next up et i've spoken how much i love et on here doing my research i had no idea how big of a summer film this was it took over. It was actually, for a while, the highest grossing film of all time at $792 million. It still holds true today. It's one of the best films. It's my favorite Spielberg film. So that's, for me, number seven. Number six is one of my favorite comedies of all time, Ghostbusters. I think what works with Ghostbusters too... Oh, no, I'm, I'm lying. I forgot to mention my favorite scenes of Jurassic Park and E.T. Jurassic Park favorite scene is the T-Rex, when you first see the T-Rex. Oh, with the water uh, trembling. Next up for E.T., my favorite scene is uh, the end, just when they say goodbye to each other, because that shit makes me cry. Next up for Ghostbusters... You guys mentioned it before, how impactful it was at the time. My favorite scene is the hotel, but what I like about that is, for me, it starts when they get the call. When they get that call for the first time, and they're like, we got one, and you see that Ecto-1 shine for the first time. From there, all the way through that scene where they catch Slimer, that's that's it for me. Next up, Avengers Endgame. It's the newest movie on this list, but I think when this list gets redone by many outlets in the next 20 years, it may be number one to many. This, it had to work. It didn't mean you got, you guys know the risks of doing this and how important Endgame was for to culminate 10 years of work and for it to culminate and successfully make us cry and make us happy. It did everything it needed to do. My favorite and my favorite scene is Avengers Assemble there. Next up, Back to the Future, number four, Back to the Future. Uh, oh, ni- right on the same number, nice. $19 million budget made $389 million. Uh, Avengers I didn't mention because Ryan mentioned it, $2.798 billion. Um, with Back to the Future, I think for the time, 
I think it's 1985, the last real original summer blockbuster of the 1980s. I think we got Aliens after, but that's a sequel. So I think this was the last original real summer blockbuster of the 1980s. And it's one of my favorite films of all time as well. My favorite scene is actually the last 15, 16 minutes of the movie when they're, when my, when Marty's going back to 1985 because it continuously builds attention of like, oh my God, is he actually going to make it? What's going to happen? Is he stuck here? Are we going to get a sequel and he's stuck? Uh, still in 1955, that scene works so well for me. My number three is The Dark Knight. We've talked about how big that movie was at the time with Heat's passing and all those trailers. Some of the best marketing ever, but just not quite the best marketing ever. My favorite scene for The Dark Knight actually wasn't hard because I think it's one of my favorite scenes of all time, the interrogation scene with Batman and the Joker. I think the whole performance of Ledger is iconic, but I think his best scene in the movie is that is there there that scene in well, the interrogation. It won, it won him the award at that point. I think that, yeah, that I was, think that's yeah, that's, that's what won him the Oscar. That scene, uh, it made one point. It's the first comic book film to make a billion dollars, so people need to remember how big that was. Number two, there would not be a Dark Knight if it wasn't for Batman nineteen eighty nine. Okay, uh, so you put it at number two. Oh, yep, okay, yep. So. I think that the world we have today, and I think I'm going to hold off a little bit more. Actually, Leo, do you want to touch in? Is that your number one? Yeah, it's my number one, dude. Right. I think it's, uh, yeah, back when we did the episode about the movie, like you did an incredible job of just detailing to all the listeners how big a thing this movie was. Like, there is no movie marketing marriage before this movie and without this movie um and like it's incredible to see how it's turned into something so crazy now where like you have movies now that are made specifically for action figures like 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 that returns (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) but um, but, uh no 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 oh yeah for me it's it's absolutely my still my favorite movie favorite scene in that is in the very very beginning the don't kill me don't kill me man uh, when he's holding him over the ledge. Don't kill me, man. I'm not going to yeah, kill you. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to kill you. I want you to tell your friends. <laughs> I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are <laughs> you? I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, that's my number one. So that's your number two, though. Yeah. So the reason it's my number two, I'll get into with what my number one is in a, in a second. So 89, and I've mentioned it on our ep- on our our episode you can go back in the archives and listen to it how important this movie was for the genre and as much as we love comic book genres i don't think there would be anywhere near what there is if it wasn't for the success of batman 89 in terms of the marketing the box office it was the highest grossing opening weekend film of all time at that time um the bat craze was everywhere the billboards in times square that are norm now were net was very unique for the time with that giant bat logo in the middle of Times Square. It is still one of my favorite, favorite movies to watch. It is not the greatest movie ever, but it's still <laughs> extremely entertaining. My favorite scene, and in terms of box office, even though it only made $411 million at the box office for 1989, it was a shit ton of money and it gave studios confidence that we can promote 
Batman, Superman, The Avengers, X-Men, so on and so forth. I mean, without this, we don't get to where we're at today, I think. Not at all. Absolutely. And then I will do my number one since you did yours, Leo. My number one is Star Wars. So, New Hope. So, the reason I went Star Wars, Star Wars over Batman, I was literally, till today, I, I didn't decide. However, while Jaws created the buzz of the idea of the summer blockbuster, Star Wars exploded it to not only a financial success, but a merchandising success. I think after Star Wars, you were able to realize that not only could you throw these movies in the summer, you can market it. You could sell toys to kids. You could draw. You could bring in adults that sells extra tickets. And most importantly, I think Star Wars didn't bring fear like Jaws did. Star Wars brought repeat value. People were going to the theaters to watch Star Wars over and over again, rather than I'm going home. I'm afraid to go in the water type of thing. (laughs) So while Jaws is amazing and it's the first, and I respect it, and I do love Jaws, I'm you know. I think what Star Wars did should not be forgotten in terms of the impact it made on the theater experience. It became a mission to be online to go see a Star Wars movie because of A New Hope. It it became a thing to sweat in the summer to be online to watch the next whatever, the next installment in a franchise, the next big release because Star Wars was so successful. And that's why it's my number one. And I'm going to finish off doing my favorite scene from 89 and Star Wars. My favorite scene from 89 is the uh, opening, actually. Actually, I'm with Leo on that. It's actually the introduction of Batman. If I had an honorable mention there because this was hard for me, it's Party Man. Because I love that scene in the museum with the Joker. Star Wars, I actually... This one's hard because I always like the introduction of... Darth Vader in the opening shot, but I also really also like the introduction of Han Solo. So I'm just going to go with the end scene and not. It's tough. I guess because it really is tough. I just love Star Wars so much. So I, I, I can, I can, I can, the like, entire movie. No. Um, all right. You know what? To give to give a little shout out to Jenny who's not here, I'm gonna say the end scene where every, they received their medals because that was my uh, walk down the aisle at our wedding. So I'll go with that. Except for Chewie. Poor, Except poor for Chewie. Chewie. All right, <laughs> Ryan, take us home. What do you have? My number one mo- uh, blockbuster is The Dark Knight. I just absolutely love that movie, and my number one scene from that just like you dave is the interrogation room that performance is just incredible never start with the head <laughs> never start with the head victim gets all fuzzy he can't feel the next <laughs> see yeah that that scene is incredible it's so so great um but yeah moral of the story that you guys have known for the last two three years we love batman on here we love batman very <laughs> very 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 much and as much as i love batman, batman i love and star wars yep and if i had to choose and that's why i prefaced this by saying well how i came to these decisions because batman was my number one all week but then when i really thought about it i'm like damn like i think it's i think it's star wars just for the reason that i said i stated before but my favorite blockbuster for me from uh summer blockbuster is batman it's so just it's funny i 
I had a, I had a similar thing like you, D. Like with me, like Endgame, Batman. Because I, 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 like, I never thought a movie would ever trump Batman. Like you, you go all all the way to 2018, even after Infinity War. I'm like Batman, you can't defeat it. Uh, but after Endgame, like it just Endgame for me, it just felt like the experience that a summer blockbuster is supposed to be, right? Like everyone's dying to get to the movie theater. You can either pre-buy the tickets on a pre-sale, stand in line and get them in for like like in person. Then you wait in line to get good seats, or go ahead and I uh, guess pick the seats beforehand. But regardless, you want to go see this movie. Um, and like yeah, for like Endgame and Batman, I think would go hand in hand with me too. It's it's a tough choice, but summer blockbusters. I hope we get back to them one day because like all these movies were like super fun to watch. Yep, I think it's the experience of a movie in the summer, and I think that. If things change with everything going on and the theatrical experience change, I'm glad to have had Endgame because I don't think it's going to take a lot for a theatrical experience to top what I experienced in my theater watching Endgame. So I think if that was the cherry on top, what a way to go out. So that wraps up this week's episode. Next week, we will shall be back. Until then, not see you at the movies, kids. <laughs> He was driving. <laughs>